Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and coming up on today's episode, Adam Burrish and I preview the 2020 NHL Draft coming up next week. We have a special guest, Mike Donaghy, who heads up the Blackhawks U.S. Amateur Scouting, uh, a, a big part of the Blackhawks organization on the hockey operations side, joins us. A great conversation with him. We look at the trade between the Blackhawks and the Vegas Golden Knights, Brandon Peary for Dylan Sakura earlier this week, as well as talk about Dominic Kubelik finishing third in Calder Trophy voting, all that and more coming up on Blackhawks Insider presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. It's showtime. In the playoffs, it's win or go home. With Chevy, it's win and go home in a new Chevy car, truck, or SUV. Check out shop, click, and drive at your local Chevy dealer. Shop online 24-7 and take delivery at home. It's simple, it's safe, it's smart. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to locate your Chevy dealer and schedule a test drive. Buy it, try it, buy it, whatever it takes. Your local Chevy dealers, proud sponsors of the Chicago Blackhawks. Welcome into Blackhawks Insider, Carter Baum alongside Adam Burrish once again. Burr, it's been uh, a few weeks since we last spoke, you know, a little bit of downtime after the Blackhawks were eliminated from the playoffs. Um, first off, how are you doing, my friend? How's How are things going? Everything's good. It's been great. It's been fun to, it was a fun playoffs to watch, a lot of hockey. Some great hockey, too. Um, great hockey, yeah. And it's it's always fun to, to see the Stanley Cup wheeled out onto the ice and, and being given out and seeing guys' reactions and, and the celebration. Um, it's always fun. And it, it, it's, I can tell you, Carter, it's mo- it's fun to watch when you've won. If you haven't won or when I, before I had won, I, I like to watch it, but it was always a little bit hurtful. You were kind of jealous. Um, you know, you wanted to have that experience, but uh, it's a little easier. I, I watched the final game with a couple friends in Madison that, that play in the NHL and, um, you know, I was kind of chatting and kind of laughing and they were both just kind of watching quietly. You can, and, and I know the feeling and you could just tell like, God, I want to be out there and I wish I could experience that. And will I ever get the chance to experience that? And they were kind of talking about that. Their, their wives were asking them, what, what are you guys thinking right now when you see that? Or what are you feeling? And they both kind of got uh, like almost angry and a little bit like, I want to go train right now and I want to get out there. And, and I was like, ah, it's cool. You know, yeah, it's fun. I, you know, it'd be cooler. You know, be, you feel bad that their families couldn't be out there. That was the one thing I, I thought too, because I remember handing the cup to my mom and dad and my sister and how special that moment was for me. Um, probably the, the most special moment of the whole thing was was being able to do that. And, um, you know, and I, I kind of felt sad in a way that that some of their families couldn't be there. I think the rule was if they were Canadian because they lived in the country, they could be there. And then um, then the American people, they couldn't um, come over. But um, I thought that. But it's 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 really fun to watch that and see that emotion. And, you know, you kind of wondered, what was that emotion going to be like with no fans? It was raw. It was cool. Um, it was pretty special to watch that. It was neat. Yeah, and the Lightning take the cup over the stars in six games. I mean, we'll touch on that. I'm sure most people listening have seen that at some point in the last 72 hours um, that the Stanley Cup was actually awarded. I thought it was really cool. You know, going into the playoffs, there was all the questions of how is this going to look? How are these games going to feel with no fans? And we really saw it throughout the playoffs. I mean, the intensity was there. There was maybe not that little extra edge with the fans and the booing 
of the away team and the, the extra boost for the home team. But all in all, I mean, it was playoff hockey. It was knockdown, drag out fights. Um, and even seeing the cup lifted, I mean, you could still see the emotion on all of those guys' faces. It still meant the exact same to them. You mentioned not having the family, but um, to me, it wasn't that much noticeably different than what we've seen in years past because the the heart is still on the line. Everyone still cares. Everyone still wants it. And it, it was just, it was a great show. And it was, it was great to have not only hockey back, but playoff hockey back for what, almost you know, two months, two full months of, of hockey. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun to watch. And I know, uh, you know, people have asked me and I know other, they ask players all the time. Do you see the crowd? Do you feel the crowd? Um, do you notice when people are there? Does it play into it? And it does, it, it really does. And that's your time to show off when, when people are there watching and you got a full packed arena and it's loud and the playoffs are a different volume level. The intensity picks up. Um, but I also say that once you're in the corner digging that puck out of a corner or back checking to try and catch a guy or try to pull away from a guy or laying down to block a shot on a penalty kill, I don't care if there's fans there or not. You don't notice those fans. When you are in a battle, a one-on-one battle, you don't see the fans. You, you almost kind of don't hear it. You're so locked into what you're doing, and that's kind of what you saw in these games. And maybe between whistles, maybe when there was a stoppage of play or if there was you know TV timeouts or referee timeouts, that's when you're kind of like, all right, it's dead silent in here right now. And, you know, where, where's the where's the, where's the the pump-up music with the crowd going crazy before a big face-off? But once the puck drops and you're into it, you're competing. And I want to beat that guy across from me. I want to try and win a Stanley Cup. Um, that guy's going to try and knock my head off, and I'm going to try and knock his head off, and we got a big battle going on here. And so that's the mentality. Once the, once the That's why you saw exactly what you said, Carter. The intensity was there and the competitiveness was there because once the puck drops, it's on. Well – as much as we love talking about the playoffs and uh, the finality of it, that's not really what we're here to do uh, today, Burr. We've got nope. some new business to attend to. We mentioned uh, last time uh, we spoke that we'd take a little break and we'd be back when the draft, when free agency was going to start. And boy, if uh, if you've been waiting the last few weeks for stuff to happen, uh, buckle up because it's going to be a very interesting few weeks. You've got the NHL draft rounds one and two, uh, next week, Tuesday and Wednesday night, October 5th. I'm sorry, October 6th and 7th. Um, and then if that's not enough, you have free agency that starts two days later, October 9th. That's a Friday. It's going to be wild. We've got a great guest joining us uh, in just a little bit, Mike Donaghy, who has been the head of the Blackhawks U.S. scouting, U.S. amateur scouting for several years. A recent promotion, he's going to be taking a larger role within the hockey operations department. And I think you're going to hear why just the hockey mind on this guy, the way he sees the game and um, just the way he understands. And I, I talked to Stan Bowman about Mike a little bit, and he said just the connections he has from being around uh, the different levels of hockey for so many years, those are invaluable, especially in the scouting world. And um Burr, I mean, I'll, I won't speak for you, but I, I think a great conversation just talking about the draft and, and talking about everything that he does and has seen over his career. Yeah, if you want to uh, have a fun conversation about hockey with somebody, he's he's right at the top of the list, and he's a, he's a well respect, very well-respected guy in the hockey community. You name a player, and he can probably tell you more about that player than most people you know. Um, he knows everybody. He knows every player. He knows where they played, you know, you, minor hockey, junior hockey, probably pretty close to what their stats could have been. 
I know when we talk to him, he can go back five, six, seven years and tell you what number a guy was drafted. He was drafted 42nd in the third round. Um, the Blackhawks are lucky to have him. Those are the jobs that um, you need to have really good people there um, for your drafting and for your stable of young players. And and Mike's that guy. He's, he's a pretty impressive guy, and um, he's, he's really fun to talk to and a real respected guy in the hockey world. Well, the Blackhawks have seven picks coming up in this year's draft. Uh, a first-rounder, number 17 overall, a second-rounder, two third-rounders, a fourth, fifth, and a sixth. So a nice, uh, nice spread of picks. We'll talk to Mike about the draft in, in just a few minutes. But Burr, we have a little bit of uh, news to get to. A, a couple small things have happened over the last few weeks for the Blackhawks. Uh, most recently, we'll dive right into it. Earlier this week, uh, a trade was completed, the first trade we've seen in, in quite some time. Uh, Dylan Sakura, who we've seen uh, a little bit of throughout the season. We saw him a little bit in the playoffs. I think just the one game he got into um, out there, traded to the Las Vegas, to the Vegas Golden Knights for Brandon Peary a former Blackhawks draft pick back in 2009, a second rounder, a guy who played a little bit, uh, 35 games for the Blackhawks over the first four years in his career, has bounced around the NHL since, coming back to Chicago on the other, other, on the other end of the deal, um, a much more mature guy. We talked to him yesterday. He said, you know, I was a kid the first time I was in Chicago. Now I have two kids with a second one on the way. Um, just your, your initial thoughts on this player for player for player swap and someone who I, I think you had a little bit of uh, cross paths with in, in your time uh, in Chicago as well. I, I think it's a great move. Um, I think, you know, with, with Dylan, it just, it didn't work out for him in Chicago and this could be a guy that could go somewhere else and, and he could um, find his way. It, it wasn't working in Chicago. They tried him in a lot of different, different spots, top of the lineup, um, more of a depth guy, and um, it just didn't it didn't play out, and that happens sometimes. I think Peary's a guy, also that you can play up and down your lineup. I think I, I watched him a bit in the last year in Vegas, and he would spend some time in the minors. But when they called him up, they could put him up on a top line. He can get hot too. He's a guy that can put some points up. Uh, he can score. He's a skilled player, but he can also play in your third, fourth line and and, and be dependable and, and be kind of tough to play against. Um, you know, what, when I think of guys. You know, we'll, we'll, we talked to Mike a little bit about it, and Colin Frazier talks about having you know regular season guys and playoff guys, and and Peary's a guy that that I think you know if this team gets back to where they were again this year and makes a run in some playoffs, he's a guy that that could make an impact in playoffs because he has that gear where he can check, he can play physical, he he's an older now mature player and. Um, I, I think it was a great move. I think it was a player for player, and sometimes you don't know if, if those play out or should there be picks involved. I think it was a it was a really fair trade on both sides. And if if you were going to nudge one way that would be better next year, I think the Blackhawks win that one. He's got 275 games under his uh, NHL games under his belt right now, 121 points. And then in the time that he has spent in the AHL, he's nearly a point per game player. He hasn't played for the Rockford Ice Hogs in six or seven years and he's still their all-time leader in points i mean 200 points and i think 230 some odd games he's a guy who can contribute as you mentioned up and down the lineup he's got a really hard shot um and i, I personally think someone who's going to benefit from coming back to chicago he he has a home in chicago he said he spends his summers in chicago um he's here he said it flat out to make the blackhawks roster to contribute with the blackhawks but 
if that were to not work out, if he were to get sent down to Rockford, it's still a great situation for him personally. And I think an improvement um, that could help. I mean, you you know as well as anyone, when you have your your personal life in a good spot off the ice, it helps your game on the ice. And so when you feel comfortable in a city, in a situation like that, it's going to pay dividends uh, regardless of exactly where you fit in a lineup. Yeah, and, and you know, as a you know, as as a player on a team, you want guys that want to be there and that feel proud to to play for that team or to be there. And he wants to be in Chicago. He's proud to be a Blackhawk, and I I, mean, I I think he will play for the Blackhawks. I think he's a guy that uh, he can give them some depth, and like you said, he can score too. But um, he knows how to play the game, and I think I I think he'll be playing for the Blackhawks, not Rockford. But um, I, I think it's a good move, and I think he's a guy that. It is excited to come back. You look, Shaw was excited to come back. Saad was excited to come back. Christopher Stieg was excited to come back, wins a cup. So you, for me, it, it does make a difference when you've got guys that are excited to be here and proud and, and want to be here. Uh, and then it says a lot about, about the Blackhawks organization that people people want to play here and they want to come back. And once you leave, you, you get a little jealous that you, you don't get to play for the Blackhawks anymore. And if you get that second chance, um, boy, I'm sure you really want to make it count. He said when he found out about the trade, he was out golfing uh, with some former players, Jeremy Morin, Adam Clendenning, and Terry Broadhurst, all three of which have had two stints in the Blackhawks organization. So uh, it was very fitting that that was the group he was golfing with when he got the news that he was coming back to Chicago, uh, a fun little note that uh, he told reporters yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, but they were like, "Can you can you call your agent and see if he could bring me back too?" Yeah, we got two for one deal in there. What do, what do we yeah. got there? Uh, yeah. Just a little bit of other news before we uh, we toss it to Mike Donaghy. Uh Dominic Kubalik. I mean, we've talked about him time and time again. Finishes third in the Calder voting. Not all that surprising, you know. Votes are cast after the regular season, before the playoffs. I think that first playoff game uh, he had with five points would have maybe added a few votes to his name, but Kale McCarr, yeah. Quinn Hughes, fantastic seasons in their own right, uh, finishing one and two respectively ahead of him. Uh, just an incredible honor for Kubelik to even be considered uh, for the Calder Trophy, named to the all-rookie team, uh, a fantastic honor for himself there, but uh, yet another accolade on what was a fantastic rookie season for Dominic Kubelik and uh, hopefully can continue to build on that going into next season. Yeah, I think anytime you know, I, I I guess I can't speak on winning any awards because I never won anything. But I can imagine that when you you're up for an award and you're a top three in something, it gives you a little bit of confidence. But I think with with Dominique, he's gonna he's gonna have more confidence from the way he played in that playoffs. Um, you know, he he brought his game to another level. And guys, their first year in the league and their first time going through the playoffs, how are how are you going to respond? How are you going to play? And the way he played should certainly, I know, will give his teammates a lot of confidence, but himself too. So, um, you know, I, I think everybody can expect that next season for him will be even better than it was this year. And you've got, you know, a couple smaller, tra I say smaller transactions, a lot of um, a trend around the NHL right now with next season, when it's going to start still up in the air. A lot of players are heading to Europe. Um, some of the younger guys, some of the prospects, some of the European-based players especially, um, just to get some time. You know, The European leagues are starting to open up, starting to get back to normal. You've got Brandon Hagel and Philip Kurashev heading to the Swiss League, uh, new signing Pia Suter uh, heading to the Swiss B League to start the season over there. Uh, prospects Michael Tepley and Matej Halupa, one of the new signings as well, playing in 
uh, the Czech Republic and Tim Soderland heading over to Sweden. Uh, Burr, just real quickly, I mean, you're someone who played a, a brief stint overseas. You know about just kind of keeping those legs going, continuing to build. What can this do for some of these younger guys to um, just keep playing and, and maybe jumpstart their seasons before NHL camps open up um, sometime later in the winter? I think it's awesome. I think if uh, if more guys could do it, um, they would. I think there's a lot of guys that would do it in the off season. Younger players, if they could, instead of just training and skating with a couple guys, going and playing in a league before you get to go to training camp or before a season starts. How it's it's awesome. And I can say also from from playing in Europe, I think coming from playing in the NHL to playing over there is harder than playing over there and, and coming back this way. So for those guys going over there to a bigger ice sheet, more skating, um, you know, t- more patience with the puck, I think that translates better coming back this way to a smaller ice sheet where now you, you have to make things happen quicker. I think their fitness is going to be better because there's so much more skating and more training over there. So you're getting the, the reps in a game, but you're also getting some training time, some practice time, some time in the gym to build some strength while you're playing hockey games too, which you don't get. If you're just back here in the summer going to the gym every day and skating with four or five or seven guys, uh, I think it's awesome. I think these young guys, I think you're going to see the young guys that did that, um, they're going to step into a, to a training camp this year. I think they're going to have a leg up on some of the other guys their age that are coming into a first or second training camp. I think it's really neat that they're getting that opportunity. And I thought an interesting note that Stan Bowman had on it uh, just a few minutes ago or a few hours ago when he spoke to the media ahead of the draft, he said a lot of these uh, deals – are not deals that necessarily the Blackhawks are out there scoping out, trying to get these players going. These are the players going to their agents and the agents then coming to the Blackhawks saying, hey, you know, my player wants to continue playing, wants to continue developing. So it's these guys kind of taking the onus upon themselves to take advantage of this opportunity while they have it and, and continue to get better. So you love to see kind of that that hunger um, from all these guys wanting to continue to play, wanting to get back out there and, and continue to develop and um, really take that next step in their game in hopes of making the roster uh, next season. Yeah, guys don't like – nowadays guys don't like taking time off. You know, back in you know 10 years ago, guys would take a month or two off and – and put their gear away and not skate right it's different now guys they get a week or two off after the season they get right back on the ice and they're skating they're working um and if there was opportunities for them to play games now more in the summertime i'm sure more guys would do that and would want to do that um so it's, it's great that those guys are doing that it's great the hawks let them do that and encourage it and i think they'll be better for it well, enough from us. We're going to toss it to our guest now, Mike Donaghy, who, uh, as I said, has been the head of the Blackhawks' U.S. amateur scouting uh, over the last few years. He's taking a larger role within the organization. We'll talk to him about that. But uh, as you said, Burr, a great guy and a lot of insight heading into the 2020 NHL draft, which is next week. So without further ado, we'll toss it over to Mike Donaghy. We are thrilled today to be joined by Mike Donaghy, who is now the player, the director of player evaluation and recruitment for the Blackhawks. Uh, until just a few months ago, you were the chief U.S. scout for the team covering everything U.S. amateur hockey. Of course, a big part of the NHL draft process with Mark Kelly and Stan Bowman. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us in the show. First off, all the way from Boston. How are things going there? Uh, I'm sure a little busy, less than a week out from the draft right now. Yeah, uh, things are good here. We weather's nice. The weather's cooperating out here. Um, I'm actually heading out to Chicago on Sunday, so looking forward to that. Uh, 
but things things are well. Things are good. Now, we started off things here and you mentioned, and I have to mention this right off the top because Burr knows we love to just poke a little fun. You mentioned you had a bone to pick with Adam Burrish here based on your time. We'll, we'll go through your, your hockey history here in the past, but uh, you once were at Merrimack College and tried to recruit a young Adam Burrish. Is that correct? Th- that is correct. Uh, not only did I coach there, I, I played at Merrimack for uh, Ron Anderson, who's also uh, on the staff with the Blackhawks. I think he drafted you, Adam. He did, um, yep. And uh, so Ronnie knew that I always wanted to get into uh, coaching and then scouting. So after Ronnie left Merrimack, I was hired at Merrimack. And one of my first – I was there in 99, 2000 was my first year. So it was either the year one or two back before all social media and everything else. And it's when you would send a introductory letter and a questionnaire and you would hope that you get it back. And Adam was one of the ones, but it must have got lost in the mail, either going there or coming back to Merrimack. I can, but, I can tell you, Mike, you know. at that time, I did not get many letters. I did not get many, <laughs> many recruiting visits. So if I would have gotten that, Mike, I'm, I'm going to blame Marco Sinke, who coached in Rockford with the Blackhawks. And yeah, he was all yeah. Wisconsin and North Dakota. So he probably said, if it's not Wisconsin or North Dakota, I'm not giving it to you. And, and I could see that. <laughs> and that, ju- that just goes to show, like, uh, I, I was looking up your stuff yesterday, Adam, and you were a late draft pick. I, we don't even have a ninth round nope. anymore. Um, I was a 12th round pick in by the Blackhawks in 2000. I'm sorry, in 89. Sorry. Um, they don't even obviously have a 12th round anymore. So it's you had a better career than me. You had a better career than most ninth round picks. So it just goes to show what a little bit of a inexact science this whole draft is. Shows how good you are. <laughs> I was a bad goalie. You would have, <laughs> you would have. <laughs> I say I say I took Ronnie Anderson for a lot of money as a backup goalie <laughs> at Merrimack on scholarship. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, you touched on it. You were drafted. Not only do you play a large role with the Blackhawks draft process now, you were drafted by the Blackhawks, 1989, 12th round. You mentioned it. They don't have a 12th round anymore. We're down to seven rounds. Uh, full circle, you joined the organization, what, 12 years ago as, uh, I believe, a part-time scout and just have continued to work your way up and, and progress from there. I mean, you've had quite the long career, but uh, a one bookended on both sides so far by the Blackhawks. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I tell people I didn't, it took me 20 years to get a, a paycheck in the NHL uh, <laughs> after I was drafted. Uh, and I was fortunate enough, uh, as I alluded earlier with Ronnie Anderson, um, with, when he was moving into his his current role, they were looking for a part-time New England guy. And I was coaching junior hockey in the area, and he put me in touch with Mark Kelly. And I had met Mark in the at the Bean Pot that year, a kind of informal interview, and we just stayed in touch. Um, and then that summer of 09, they offered me a part-time position. So I was still coaching uh, in the Eastern Junior League at the time. And that, that first draft of mine part-time, um, as I said earlier, it was Kevin Hayes, uh, Charlie Coyle was in that draft, Brock Nelson. Um, so it was a good um, segue to get in with, with U.S. high school kids and U.S. kids in general and amateur. And then just from there, it, it, it grew to a full-time role the following year and four or five years later, head scout. And then just most recently, a couple of months ago, uh, promoted to the current position I'm in. You, you mentioned your promotion there. You were the chief USA scout, so you, your hands are going to be all over this current draft that we're going into just with the work you've done over the last, 
I would say year, but we're we're starting to get a little longer than a year for the preparation for this 2020 draft. Um, you're moving into a little bit of a larger role, more not solely focused on amateur, but also the professional ranks and just taking a larger role within the hockey operations department. I mean, wh- what does that mean to you to not only be able to take that next step, but also have that recognition from the top of, of expanding your role and, and taking that next step. Well, it, it's exciting for my family. And I, um, I, I look at it as a great opportunity. Uh, it goes to show that, that Mark Kelly and Stan and Al McIsaac and John McDonough at the time had, um, you know, believed in, in what I brought to the table. Um, and they wanted to give me an opportunity. I, I didn't have the luxury of playing in the NHL and, and sometimes those jobs, those management jobs, the front office jobs, go to the guys, and that that's fair. They played, they had the experience, um, but I was fortunate enough to be part of a lot of good drafts, um, some free agency, some trades, and um, just kept working. And now they've rewarded me with it, and I'm looking forward to it. Mike, I'll say uh, just uh, just to take a second. Everybody in the Blackhawks organization, when your name comes up, everybody kind of lights up. Everybody gets excited to talk about you. I think the Blackhawks know they're lucky to have you. And in the hockey world, people in the hockey world, you mentioned your name, and everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a nice thing to say. So um, I know the Blackhawks are lucky to have you. A question I always have for for scouts, and you know, a lot of people watch the NFL draft, and players get to opt into the draft, and the following year they're playing in the N- in the NFL. NHL does it differently. You, you know, you're drafted by your age bracket. A lot of times it's two, three, four years you're projecting. How hard is that for you? And obviously it's a special skill set that you have and other scouts have. And it, do you think at some point that ever changes? It, it, it seems like it's it's a really hard thing to do. How do you how do you know when you got a 17-year-old kid what he's going to look like when he's 21 or 22? How, how do you evaluate that? Well, exactly. That's And that's what we alluded to earlier. It's such an inexact science. And that's why you see a lot of, uh, especially in the, in the college circuit, uh, a lot of college free agents who aren't drafted. Um, because if, if you picture yourself, if, whether you're an athlete or not, it, it's, I know what I was like at 17 yeah. years old. Um, and you know, I, I was for sure going to play in the NHL. There was no question about it. <laughs> and, you know, so you don't, you know, you, you take th- a lot of things for granted and, and you a little bit goofy cause you're a little arrogant. Um, but, I've got a good friend of mine who played for the Patriots, a guy named Logan Mankins, um, who was a first round pick of the Patriots. He lives here in our town. And he says the same thing. He goes, I don't know how you do it because the NFL drafts, the guys are 21, 22 years old. They've played three or four years of college football and they're in the maturity years of their life. And we're, we're really taking a, a guesstimate on what a kid's going to be. And that's why you, you also see guys later in the later rounds where you may be throwing a dart at somebody that's a bigger guy, but he skates well. He's got a hockey brain, and he just over the course of maturity, he just grows into his role. Does the in hockey in NFL they always talk about the combine being the biggest thing? If you can run a fast forty yard dash, you can play in the NFL. They can teach you uh, how to play, how to system. If you're athletic, they can't always teach fast in hockey. Um, yeah, I, I don't know this. I never went to the the combine. I wasn't good enough to get invited to that. But d- does that play I, I, for me? I know in hockey, you, you can't teach heart, you can't teach grit, you can't um, you know you can't teach a lot of the things in hockey that you can teach in football. Uh, does the combine then play a whole lot into your guys' drafting, or, or or not as much as it does in other sports? No, I, I think the part that it really 
gets into is is the strength testing. Mm. Um, you know, because usually in a given year, we would have Paul Goodman and his staff into the combine. Yeah. And the, they parade these kids out in, um, you know, tank tops and, and like tight shorts. You can really see the, the definition of their body and stuff like that. And they run them through all these tests, whether it's the VO2, it's the long jump, it's the pull-ups, um, it's all these tests. So we didn't get to do that this year. Um, so I, but all 30 teams couldn't do it. So I, I think that's the one thing that hurt us a little bit. The, the benefit as well with the combine is you do get to sit with kids, but it's only for 15 minutes where since probably April, May of this year, we've been able to zoom call with a lot of the kids we would meet and you can have 35, 40 minutes with them. So you really get to know them probably a lot more socially than you would from the combine. You touched on it. No combine this year, of course, with everything that's going on. Just how different have the last six months been for you and all the other scouts within the Blackhawks amateur scouting department? I mean, you're going through ramping up the end of the junior seasons, looking at some of these guys really starting to get a final look, looking at the playoffs where uh, we know last year Mark Kelly and, and Stan Bowman have said is where they really honed in on Kirby Doc as the top pick. How different how different has it been now going back and maybe a blessing and a curse having more time to go back and look at video and um go through stuff with maybe a more fine-tooth comb but also not getting that look that last look whether it be the end of the junior season when everything's on the line how do these guys perform at the highest level well for you know like you said fortunately we had the first six months of the season it started all the way back in august of I don't know, 2019, I guess it was, with the Ivan Holinka tournament. That's the big kickoff tournament of the age group. Um, it alternates between Bratislava and Edmonton every year. Um, so we have that. So you do get a look at the top guys. And then we all go about our business for, for the six months. Um, you know, I remember we got called off the road mid-March, like March 13th. So it was probably a week before the CHL playoffs were going to start. Um, and we missed the big tournament in April, the U U18 World Championships. Um, but it, that's where you really got to lean on your scouts You be, with their relationships with, with the coaches that the kids play for the strength coaches, the background, the character. Um, and it, it is, it's a tale of two seasons in the playoffs in any sport, because I remember I had saw Kirby in December in, in Saskatchewan and it was a three and three firm. And at that time we were really picking third, um, and I was like, oh, if this is what we get at three, like it wasn't really wacky. I was like, we'll see what happens. And then went back in the playoffs and it was pre-lottery and we were picking 12th and Kirby was dynamite in the first round of the playoffs. And I was like, holy crap, I wish we were picking third. And then obviously we won the lottery and, and Kirby ended up being Kirby that we all saw in the, in the bubble. Um, but you really lean on the scouts because they're the ones, they're watching the videos, they're calling the coaches, they're, They've created relationships probably as early as the their underage year, the year before. Um, so we did miss some live hockey, um, but I, I think we got a good sample size in the first six months um, to move forward with it. What's the team's kind of outlook right now? When you're drafting players, you go you start the first round um, for the Blackhawks. Are we picking best available players? Are we targeting forwards, defensemen? Uh, what's kind of the outlook here within the organization of what we're looking for? Yeah, I I would say probably best available. Um, we've had some, you know, up until recently, 
um, when we picked Boquist at nine, uh, eight, I believe, and then uh, Kirby, you know, we've been used to picking anywhere from 18 to 30. Um, so we're, and this group's been together for 11 years. So we're in a spot now where we're comfortable. Um, you know, I, I always say it, the only guy that gets who they really want is the guy that picks first. Mm -hmm. And then after that, everybody's got to adjust. Um, so it, it's, it's a forward heavy draft right now. Um, you know, and there's some guys, you know, there's, we kind of break it down into, into value packs. Um, you know, and then you leave it up to Stan and Mark because, you know, is, is, is there a guy that we can get that we like at 17, but we might be able to get him at 25. And, you know, a few years ago, we had done that trade with San Jose where we moved up to get Nick Schmaltz, you know, so there's, there's all kinds of moving, but I, you, you go with it. I believe my, my philosophy in the first and second round, you go with, with the best available talent that you can get. You touched on kind of the, the back and forth, the decisions that have to be made in real time during the draft. I mean, you've been in the arenas before, you know what that's like. You're going to, you mentioned you're going to be in Chicago this year in kind of the, the war room with the uh, limited staff that will be there. What's that experience like? Just everything changes every 10 seconds almost with who's getting picked and you have to readjust and look at different options and assess on the fly. I mean, how much work goes into just being prepared for that and just being a part of that atmosphere? Well, you got to remember for, for the scouts, this is their Stanley cup. Like this is, they've worked all year. We've worked all year to, to try to get this right or as close to right as we can get. Um, so in, in a typical draft year, we would be into the draft, the, uh, it's usually a Friday, Saturday would be in on Tuesday, um, you know, a small get together meeting Tuesday night. And then we'd just Wednesday, Thursday, rehash everything, um, any new information, any injury concerns, so on and so forth. So by the time of draft week, the, for the most part, the list is put together. Um, and then the first round, you know, you, you see the big production on TV. Um, so you, you have a little bit more time and you can kind of figure out where guys are going to go in the draft. It's it, once day two comes around on that, that second round starts, it goes quick. Um, so you have your list of players and, you know, sometimes you go right off of that list. It's, it's next guy up or, uh, you know, some scouts will, you know, you can get Mark Kelly's air or Stan's air and say, Hey, you know, you've heard the saying, you know, you know, pound the table for this guy. And we've had guys that are like, Hey, this guy, even though we got him a little bit lower, there's a good spot to take him. So everybody's, you know, paying attention. Everybody's dialed in. There's a ton of communication. I think, Stan and Mark do a great job of listening to the scouting staff. You know, the, we're the guys that are, you know, in the ranks, on the phones, and uh, we just kind of funnel the information up. So it goes quick, though. It goes quick. When, when we read the hockey news now, a lot of people talk about, you know, this could be a big free agent summer, too, or whatever. Not even a summer. What is it? A winter now. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, it, what, what's the talk with you guys is – Will free agency be more important than the draft? I know the draft is generally you're, – you're picking for the future, right? You're trying to stock your yep. table for the future. Um, yep. For this Blackhawks team coming in next year, is, is are, are we looking at players that we could see on the ice next year? Uh, or is, is free agency going to be uh, a little more important this year because of kind of the weird season and weird timing of everything? Well, I, I would think it would be free agency. I, I don't think of a player that we're going to take with any of our picks this year's draft would, would make an impact. Sure. Even look at last year's draft. You know, we took Alex Vlasic um, in the second round, who's back at BU and he's a candidate for the world junior team. So he's already back at school. Um, so the, the draft is definitely for the future. I mean, what, what we got with, with Kirby this year at three, 
you know, we, you know, maybe he plays those, those nine to 10 games with that contract and then he goes back and plays, but he, he, he was a good fit. Um, where you look at guys who are one and two Jack Hughes and Kako, they weren't necessarily a great fit. Um, but back to, back to us, the Blackhawks, I think free agency will play a, a role, but as we all know, it's a flat cap right now. Um, so there's not, you know, you got to kind of maybe look in, into your own prospect pool, uh, Rockford, maybe some other guys that they would have bought out on other teams that can come on a, on a cheaper contract, maybe through trades. So I, I, I think those avenues might play more of a role than the your typical July 1 free agency on TSN. Was there ever a guy that uh, you guys pounded the table and said, Stan, we need this guy, get this guy that, that's that's with the Hawks now, or a guy that you can remember a situation like that where you guys said, we got to get this guy? Uh, well, I, I think Andrew Shaw comes to mind. Oh, yeah. Um, because Shaw's, he had, I mean, Kaner calls him the best 19th round pick there was because <laughs> he – he had been through two drafts and um, he went in the fifth round of his draft year. And, you know, I, Jimmy McKellar up in Ontario and Burge was with us at the time. Um, they had saw, I believe he played for Barry. They were in the Memorial cup that year. And I mean, we all know Shazi's game. He was, yeah. he, he really flourished at the Memorial cup. And it was, it was those guys that were like, Hey, this is the perfect spot for this guy right now. Um, let's, let's go get them. So on and so forth. So cool. we did, it worked out. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. But you, I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't know. I guess everybody develops a little credibility based on, you know, players that their names are attached to everyone's names are attached to, to somebody. Um, you know, but it, we talked the other day, it's just the draft is, it's not an exact science. Yeah. I mean, it's, if you, if you redrafted, and I used that Kevin Hayes, Charlie Coyle draft. Kevin went 24th to us. I think Charlie went 26th to San Jose. Brock Nelson went 30th to the Islanders. But if you redrafted that 2010 draft, those guys are top 15 picks. Yeah, right. Um, and it's just, you know, you look at a name that came up the other day as a comparable for one of the kids for this year's draft was Cam Atkinson. And, well, he was a six-round pick. If you knew he was going to be that good, you wouldn't have taken him in the sixth round. Right. So it's just – you know, we talk about we took Vinny Henestrosa in the sixth round. You know, he's played almost 300 games. Yeah. You know, may, maybe he's a second or third round pick. So it's just, it's such an inexact, inexact science like we talked about earlier. Maybe uh, Adam Burrish wouldn't have been a ninth round pick. I know he doesn't like to give himself a whole lot of confidence, but a guy like that doesn't go in the ninth round. No. Adam, did they, Adam, did they send you a, did they send you a jersey? Oh, gosh. You know, um, well, I remember that. Um, my mom was like, well, we should go get one of those cool photos. She didn't even know the draft was going on. And I don't know if she actually went and bought a jersey or I got one. I think I got one sent, actually. No nameplate on the back, though. No name. So I think I, I think the Hawks did send me a jersey, though. But no nameplate. They must have stopped it after the ninth round because at the twelfth round, I think I had to go to, like, Kmart and get one of those <laughs> yeah. generic ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I had a little blurb in the Boston Herald the next day, but that was it. That was it. <laughs> yep, I hear so, you. Yeah, yeah. So like what kind of pride do you guys take in seeing someone that you saw at the junior level in a building with 1500 people in it, someone that you maybe come to the table with and say, this guy, I really like go on and have a strong NHL career. I mean, what, what sense of pride does that get? Oh, it's, it's a huge amount of pride. Like I said earlier, the draft is, is the guy's Stanley cup. And in a, in a regular year, you only get seven picks. Um, so if, 
if you can hit on those and, you know, all of a sudden you're in a building and, and you guys playing, you know, everyone's names attached with somebody good or bad, because they all come from certain areas. Um, and everybody on the staff and other staffs know who's in that area. So, um, but it's chess, chess get a little bit puffy when you're, when the guy you, you put your name with comes out in place. What'd you think of the, uh, probably wrapping up soon. I know, sorry to keep you, but what'd you think of the finals so far? The, uh, it's, you know, my, my thought was the best team won. Um, what did you think of the finals? And is it still like kind of a copycat league? Is this now are people, you know, you see Tampa wins, is this, you know, you, you try and kind of build a team like Tampa had or, or, um, and, and what'd you think of the final? I, I thought it was great. I mean, I, it, even earlier in the, in the whole bubble, when you could watch two, three, four games oh, a day, awesome. uh, yeah, it, it was great. It was, you know, and, and you know, it, it looked like after the initial guys knew that they were going to be there for a long time, that they really embraced it. And they really took off. Um, it is it is a copycat league. I think, you know, when, when we won the the three cups in the in the six years, um, we weren't a, a big heavy team, right. and you know, we it was speed and skill, speed and skill, speed and skill. And you know, you look at Tampa in 2015 when they played us, it was speed and skill against speed and skill. Yep. Um, and then it got a little bit heavy with Washington and Wilson, and then St. Louis has always been heavy. And I think Tampa learned. Um, they needed the speed and skill, but they also needed that heaviness. And they went out and they got, you know, they got maroon. They got Goodrow in a trade. Um, their defensemen were a little bit bigger and heavier and brought more to a game than just um, just a puck moving. So I, I think it's, I think it's still always going to be a speed and skill league. Um, it's just the game's so fast, and that's even with the draft. It's you know the speed of the kids that we're watching at 17 years old is incredible. Mm. Um, you know, and it, Colin Frazier works with us now and, and I, I never really, like I said, I didn't play, so I never really knew what, what it would all end until he said it. He goes, you need two teams in the NHL. You need the team to, to get in the 82 game schedule. And then you need the team for two and a half months. That's just that that's hard, competitive. And, you know, you were part of that team in 2010. I mean, you knew, you knew what those guys brought. So um, but it is, it, it is a cop. It's tough though. It's, it's because of salary cap and the league's not meant for teams to, to go on these roles. Yeah. Fraz three cups too. He knows. Oh, love him. Yeah. Love him. He, he does. He does. I mean, he's, he's, he's great to listen to in our meetings just because of the perspective he brings. Um, you know, he's been, he's been on a team. He's been sent to the American league. You know, when Fraz came out of the Western league, I think he was one of the leading scorers in that yeah. league. Yep. You look, you look at the way he had to survive to play in the NHL is two different styles of play. And that's what most guys are when, they, when they're drafted there. It's the guys who can, can figure it out and reinvent themselves. Um, because 80% of the guys with the drafted at, they're not going to, you know, a guy that's on the power play right now in the USHL is probably not going to be a power play guy in, right. in the NHL. So he's got to figure out how am I going to survive? So Mike, last question I've got for you. Looking back at this year's draft, I mean, aside from the circumstance of all of these guys saying that they were drafted in this unique circumstance, not getting to finish our seasons, everything related to that, what's going to set this draft class apart in, in your mind? I mean, Mark Kelly's talked about there's some really strong depth that'll probably carry through the third round. What sticks out in your mind with this current group of prospects that are uh, really going to experience one of their childhood dreams and, and hearing their name called at an NHL draft? For me, it, it's going to be the, the one guy 
uh, maybe one or two guys that no one's talking about right now that we all know that's there because if history tells us anything, it, it's going to happen. It's going to be the one or two guys that aren't, aren't the name guys that are going to have a better career than some of the, the, the guys that go higher than them. And it's, it'll be interesting to have this conversation in four years. Um, cause I'm, I'm telling you, there's going to be, there's going to be guys that are picked between 20 and 40, you know, 50 and 90 that end up having better careers than guys who were picked in the top 15. So that's, that's, what's going to be interesting for me. Well, it's been great talking with you, getting your insight, hearing your story. I mean, uh, at this point, a Blackhawk through and through. You've been here for 12 years, uh, continuing to move up through the organization. Um, and it's been a pleasure talking to you today. And we, we appreciate your time and wish you good luck and, and safe travels getting to Chicago and heading into the draft. I'm sure it's going to be a, a wild experience for everyone. And I got a sneak peek, too, of the uh, the, the uh, cribs, the Blackhawk scouting cribs that you shot. So that'll be fun <laughs> yeah, I had my, to see. Yeah, I had my daughter... Uh, I had my daughter video that Eric had called me. He was like, Hey, can you do something and do something goofy? If you can kind of <laughs> loosen everybody up a little bit. And um, so it was funny, you know, it's just got to have some fun with it in this day, this day, the way everything's going right now. So you can tune into uh, to on the clock, the Blackhawks original series to see inside uh, <laughs> Mike Donaghy's, uh, he called it his, his scouts cribs down in the basement. Scouts, cri- scouts crib. Yeah. It's kind of, Oh, there's more. There's more Bruins paraphernalia up than Red Sox paraphernalia than than Blackhawk stuff. So that's okay. Re- relegated to the basement because your daughters are are doing online learning and everything, right? Yeah. Well, my my oldest daughter graduated from. Uh, she was a hockey player. She played college hockey at Franklin Pierce out here in New Hampshire. So she had graduated and she's getting her master's degree. Um, but it's it's all happening remotely now. And my youngest daughter is a senior in high school. So you know how it is if you got kids. You're the in my house. I say I'm. It's my wife, my three kids, then the dog, then me. So I'm like fifth or sixth on the totem pole. So it's what it is, right? Well, you got a great basement set up there. You can tune into Blackhawks uh, original series on the clock when uh, when that comes out. Get a, a sneak peek of not only Mike's setup, but some of the other scouts as well as uh, they've gone through the last few months. So, uh, Mike, we appreciate it. We'll let you get going, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you guys want to circle back after the draft, I'll be happy to – Fill you in on how it went. Awesome. We'll get the inside scoop on everything happening at that table. (laughs) That will do it for this week's episode. Special thanks again to Mike Donaghy for joining us for Adam Burrish. I'm Carter Baum. We'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider, presented by Chevy Drive Chicago. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. (laughs) 